All right, all right, all right. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Hey, summer's almost over, right? You know what I like about summer being over? <laughs> what I like about it is people people come back to church. I'll tell you what this this is that time this is that time of year when we see more open chairs and things like that just because people are trying to fit in their vacations and trying to catch the last of the of the summertime schedules and and uh, getting the kids ready to go back to school. Try to give them a little fun, set them up with some fun before they have to go back to school. I don't know about you, but I hated back-to-school commercials on TV. I mean, I just wanted to whip whoever was putting on J.C. Penney's, you know? <laughs> that that J.C. Penney, I didn't like him very well. Really, really where I was at was Sears. My mama took me to Sears because I had to have those tough skin jeans, you know, the reinforced knees in them. Not because I was praying, because <laughs> I was sliding around on my knees. So anyway, she, she would take me to Sears, back to school. I hated it. Anyways, some of, you, some, some of y'all younger ones are going, Sears, what's that? It was the Amazon of my day. Because <laughs> I got this big old, my mama, I didn't get it. My mama got this big old catalog, you know, had everything from deer stands to something to eat, you know. It's kind of like Bucky's. Have you all ever been to Bucky's? Oh, Bucky's. And it's coming here to Colorado. I love my Bucky's. All right. Well, I have some business to take care of before we get started. And when I pull up a chair and sit down, it's going to be serious, right? So, um, anyways, it's good to see you guys this morning. Um, we want to welcome our online family, especially. Uh, thank you guys for joining us this morning and, and wherever you're at across the nation, whether you're here in Colorado or whether you're somewhere um, catching this somewhere else. Uh, we would love for y'all, if y'all are ever in the area, please stop by and see us. Uh, it's, it's a good atmosphere in here. I don't know about you, but I think it's a good atmosphere. I think I'm surrounded by the best people Amen. in all of northern Colorado. Amen. I'll, I'll go one further, all of Colorado. I'm in, I'm in the presence of the best people. So, Amen. amen. It's an honor to, to get to be your pastor. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the, the, the lead pastor here. Uh, my wife and I are the founding pastors. We, we call ourselves the founding pastors because we started this church in May of 2000. So we've been going a little more than 22 years. If, if um, you've never heard that before, um, you know, we're not uh, one of these fly-by-night churches. Uh, God sent us here, and this is where we be until God says something else, which I don't see it in the, I don't see it in the wind. Anywhere. So, um, anyways, what I wanted to sit down and talk to you guys about this morning was uh, um, something personal to me. Is uh, and I, I want you to know. I don't want you to hear it from anyone anyone else. I want you to know. And so, with that, in um, October of 2016, I felt some things going on in my body. Uh, you know, when when my hand would tremor. Um, is up to a certain point when it would tremor, I could control it. But there came a point to where I couldn't control it, and, and it drove me bananas. And, and so I went to see a doctor, um, 
my, my chiropractor suggested another doctor, and then the doctor suggested another doctor, and ultimately in 2016, I was diagnosed with Park, early onset Parkinson's disease. And so uh, if you've been around me then, and you've seen my hands shake or um, my, my body do funny things, it's, it's kind of cool at the end of the last school year, I got to go talk to a, a classroom of kids over here in Kersey, and I didn't want them thinking, what's wrong with this dude up here? Because he's, he's got a little shake going on in him. And, and so I get pretty self-conscious about it, and, and it's, it's tough to walk through. So here for the last six years, I've been walking through that. My doctor, now my, my current doctor, neurologist, he had suggested to me on the first or second visit, he wasn't the one that diagnosed me, but he re-diagnosed me. And um, he began from the very start of seeing me, he began to talk to me about a procedure that they do, that they can do on tremor dominant Parkinson's disease. And this, this um, procedure is that they will um, put uh, test, lead, or test leads, leads wires inside my brain run it down the back of my neck and into a battery pack that goes into my chest. And that puts off a pulse that begins to counteract the tremor and begins to bring some calmness to my body. And, and my doctor says, hey, this is going to add 20 years to your quality of life um, if, if you're um, interested in doing this. And, of course, I, you know, I have never besides going to pray for people in the hospital, been in the hospital. And even so, the joke goes around here that if I show up at the hospital, you're dying. Because <laughs> I don't like hospitals. But seriously, I, that was the joke. I walked into one guy and he goes, oh, crap. <laughs> I said, no, you ain't dying. I just, I just want to pray for you. So, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> so... Right. Um, so, anyways, um, I have chosen to do the procedure. They said it was, you know, if it if you don't like it, we can take it out. But he said, and everything will be all right. But the the procedure that I'm doing is going to be called, uh, or it's called deep brain stimulation. And uh, some of you all can look that up. You can Google that. I don't think there's anything crazy um, about it. You know, that you look at it and go, oh no, you shouldn't do that. But it's a, it's a procedure anyways that they're going to be doing surgery on my brain and they're going to be placing some things in my body that, um, you know, that, that's going to help my future until God brings the miracle. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is I've been believing God for a miracle and I know there's, Jesus has already done it. He's a great physician. He's already done it. He went to the cross for me. But the, the, the thing about it is, is uh, this is not, uh, this procedure is not, I don't look at it as my miracle. I look at it as just something that is going to get me by until the miracle happens. And, and make my life a little bit easier to, to manage things. Um, I am so, so tired of um, when I take my plate to the sink that my fork is going, and 
and uh, not being able to control this at times. Um, and they said it would uh, help take down the dosage of medication that I take, so which is real good. And uh, I hate I hate taking medicine, but um, that's what I do now. So, anyways, you know, I was thinking I've been thinking about this for four years, and um, one of the things that really uh, tripped me into pursuing this seriously was when my son got married. And I gained a new daughter, you know. Um, but the one thing that, that really um, made me push into this more was there's going to come a day that I have grandchildren. And I want to be able to sit down and read a book with my grandkids without it shaking all over the place. And so, um, anyways, as the, as the father of this house, I thought that you guys needed to know. So the, the procedure is going to take place. The, the first one is going to take place on September 1st, coming up in just a couple, few weeks. And um, the, the first one will be that they go in and they drill into my head. Yay. Yay. <laughs> And my doctor said, you'll be awake for that. I said, thank you. <laughs> but they'll, they'll, they'll um, put me in an MRI machine. Uh, they have to wake me. I have to be awake because when I sleep, the tremor doesn't happen. So they don't know where the, the spots are that they need to, to penetrate with the wires unless I'm awake. So I'll be awake in an MRI machine with a halo on my head and they'll be, um, get their little Makita drill out, I guess. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're going to do that. Then they'll, then they'll put me back to sleep and, and let uh, run the wires and stuff like that. So little invasive, <laughs> little invasive, but they'll run the wires that week and then the next week September 8th I go back in and they'll insert and hook up the the box that'll go in my chest so I am um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this does I'm not looking forward to to uh, to to be in the hospital I just don't like to do that but they'll keep me overnight the first surgery second surgery is going to be outpatient type of deal so um, so here's what I want to do or just be, I, I want you all to be praying with me and for me. And I know you will. I know you, you would. But um, I asked my wife the other day, I said, is it arrogant to ask people to pray for me? <laughs> and so she said, not in this case. Um, so what I'd like to do, and we haven't got it on the books yet, but before I go in for surgery, um, on September 1st, I would like to have a get-together here at the church and just, I covet your prayers. And I would love <clears throat> to have anyone who can show up that evening or whatever that, that would like to pray. I would, I would covet your prayers. <clears throat> okay? So be listening for that. Be looking at social media if you, if you do Facebook or whatever. Be looking for that. We'll, we'll, figure out a plan when it's going to be, and, and um, 
I would invite you. I would love to have you guys come and pray over me. Amen? Amen. 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 So if there's any questions that you have moving forward or anything like that, be sure to find me or Lynette, or you can even ask Rhett. Uh, I don't know, Lacey, do you feel comfortable with somebody asking you the hard questions? Anyways, um, if, if you would like to ask any questions or anything like that, feel free to catch me after church or, or whatever to, uh, to, hear, to, to ask me questions, and I'll give you the best information that I know. Amen? Yeah. All right. Well, you ready to get into the message today? Yeah. All right, let's do that. Uh, if um, uh, I am starting a brand new series this morning, and this series has been around, has been fluttering around in my heart and my brain for the last probably three or four years, and and I it's I've just asked God for the creativity for it. But the name of this series is called Three Sixteen, and does anybody in here know? A famous verse with that number on it, 316. Has anybody, anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> close. Um, so, if you have your Bibles, would you, would you turn over to John chapter 3, verse 16? So, you know, one of the cool things that, that I've seen about, um, about this verse is that in our day and time, this verse has become a piece of pop culture. I mean, pop culture, you, people, people may not even have ever darkened the door of a church, but they at some point have heard this scripture, John 3.16, right? Um, I, for, I was thinking back on it, and I first heard about John 3.16 because I, I, my mom got saved I uh, gave her life to Jesus when I was three years old, and she started taking us to Sunday school. And, of course, in Sunday school, in the denomination that I grew up in, John 3.16 is often said. Many times it was a prayer that we prayed before, um, be- before Sunday school started. I remember in first or second grade, I think it was second grade, that I had a teacher at my public elementary school that we would do the, the, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, you know, we would do that. After that, we would do the Lord's Prayer. And then after that, we would all recite John 3.16. That ain't happening today, is it? So, so that's where I began to, to hear John 3.16 when I was a kid. And, um, but where I really uh, remember it being spoken or being preached is that my mom... Um, would watch Billy Graham Crusades on TV. She would watch Billy Graham Crusades on TV, and Billy Graham would often quote John 3.16. Anybody know who Billy Graham is? Okay, there's, there's a couple in here. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is my mom w- would set up her tape recorder. You know what a tape recorder is? I mean, <laughs> you, you younger people have this... We, we had cassette tapes. They weren't little discs. They were cassette tapes, little pieces of plastic that had stuff running through it. So she would put in her little cassette tape and have the little mic running to in front of the console TV that we had. You know, no the console TV. There was no remote control for that. I was the remote control for that TV. My mom would say, get up and turn the channel. She didn't. Yeah, she was pretty mean about it. Uh, 
But she would watch Billy Graham. She'd set up her little microphone in front of the, the console speakers. And then you could hear, what's funny is you can go back and hear those tapes. And she's, you kids, shut up. <laughs> Billy Graham's on TV. <laughs> oh, yes, Billy, go ahead. <laughs> you know, she's so sweet to Billy, but she's mean to us. <laughs> I mean, we were just kids, you know. Give us a break. Anyway. <laughs> So Billy Graham was, I, what I look at Billy Graham is he was the one preaching John 16, 316 um, in the 60s and 70s. He was preaching those things. Then there was a guy, and I, and I looked him up, there was a guy named Roland Stewart. Anybody ever heard of Roland Stewart? He's one. Roland Stewart was also known as the Rainbow Man because... Roland Stewart would go to professional football games, basketball games, baseball games, and position himself where the cameras were going to be consistently. That was at the football game behind a field goal post, at a baseball game behind home plate, or at a basketball game. I don't know anything about basketball. Oh, oh behind, the, behind the goal. And Roland would put on his rainbow-colored afro, wig, and he would stand behind with John 3.16 on a poster, and, and you would see him on TV in the 70s and 80s, driving, the, driving John 3.16. Roland Stewart, remember him. Don't look him up because he went to prison. <laughs> Not for holding posters, but... But for other things, it just goes to show you, Christians can be flighty sometimes too. Um, but in, in most recent pop culture, there's a, a name that I know you know because he was a Denver Bronco at one time. His name is Tim Tebow. Y'all know who Tim Tebow is? Yeah, he's an incredible guy, you know. The thing about it is uh, I was looking up some of his stuff, you know, because I remember... The, the way I remember Tim Tebow is I couldn't stand the guy because in the 2009 BCS College Championship, Tim Tebow was the quarterback for the Florida Gators and they were playing the Oklahoma Sooners in the 2009 BCS. And so he put on his eye black stickers that he put under his eyes, he wrote John 316. You remember that? And he beat the, they beat the Sooners. And so I hated the guy, really. I, you know, I had to go and read my Bible a lot and see where John said, you got to love the brethren. I didn't like John either. No, but, but, no, but I, was, I, was, uh, I was looking at some things about that. And what I found out is that during that college world championship, um, BCS championship football game, John 316 under Tim Tebow's eyes, they had 94 million Google searches for John 316 during that game. 94 million people looked up what John 316 was. That's incredible. And so that was on January 8th of 2009 when that happened. Now, fast forward three years. January 8th, 
2012, Tim Tebow was playing for the Denver Broncos. And you all probably know this, but they they uh, was in the first round of the playoffs. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they were supposed to get smoked. And Tim, Tim Tebow came out and won the game against the Steelers to advance them to the next spot in the playoffs. You all remember that? Here's what I found out. This is so cool. Some of y'all probably heard this before. But the way I look at it is God wanted to have a little fun during that game. So here's some statistics from that game. Three years to the day that he be- they beat the Sooners. He's in professional NFL football now. He threw for 316 yards that day. He didn't even know this until his publicist come in and told him, hey, catch this. 316 total yards that day. There were 31.6 yards per completion. That was the most in any post-NFL playoff game ever. They had 3.16 yards per rush that day. And on the other side, the Steelers' time of possession was 31.06 minutes. And last but not least, CBS was carrying the game and the Nielsen ratings. You all know what the Nielsen ratings are? They're the TV. It's how TV measures how many people are watching this program. And the Nielsen ratings that day were 31.6 in their audience measure. So that's cool, isn't it? 316. 316. There are around 30,000 verses in your Bible. 30,000 verses. That's a, lot, that's a lot of verses to memorize, isn't it? 30,000 verses. So why, out of 30,000 verses, why do people camp out on John 3.16? Why has it become <clears throat> a part of popular culture? And... Um, <clears throat> And this is why. John 3.16 says this. In your Bibles, I'm going to to say this from the New King James. But John 3.16 says something. (laughs) It says, for God so loved the world. I had to catch my, my train of thought. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In that verse is the sum total of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's the sum total of what the Father wanted to do by giving His Son to the world. That He loved us so much. It's it's God's ultimate expression of love. It's God's uh, passing on to us as the ultimate expression of His love that places love on the inside of us to be able to minister Jesus and what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen? Amen. So here in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man that was a, <clears throat> was a Pharisee. He was one that was, that he was a great teacher of the Bible. And 
and you know, all the other Pharisees did not like Jesus, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But <clears throat> Jesus began to talk to Nicodemus about how to be born again, how to be, uh, uh, how to be born from above. The, the word born again is our word that we've put on things, but it simply means to be born from above, that God's spirit comes into us and, and causes our hearts to change. Amen? So that's what John 3.16 is, is. It's just telling. It's, it's the gospel of Jesus, the good news of what Jesus has done and what God the Father has done. It's the good news in a nutshell. It's easy. You don't have to go through and explain a whole lot of stuff. It's that easy. It's, it's, that e- it's the gospel. Amen? One of the things that uh, that my that that the medication that I take does it dries out my mouth, so that's really tough on. <laughs> it's really tough on days like this. <clears throat> but it's the it's the simplicity of the gospel. He says, "For God so loved." The word "loved" there. Um, is is a Greek word called, called agapeo. It is it is the word where we get agape. The word agape is God's kind of love. It's not a human kind of love. It's God's kind of love. It's how He loves us. And the word agapeo is is this word that is kind of the past tense of that God loved. Uh, agapeo is not a superficial surface, shallow word. And the word agapeo, agapeo, uh, this word loved, it's not given to us because we deserve it. It's not given to us because um, we're, um, we're easy to love. It's not given to us because we're lovely. Because we're not lovely all the time, are we? Only when we're in pastor's presence. I'm kidding. I think it's funny, though, whenever somebody says, what do you do for a living? And I tell them, and they go, oh, I go to church sometimes. <laughs> you know, and they get all, yeah, churchy. And, and what I say, I don't, I really don't care what you do. That's your life, man. If you want to go to church, go to church. I, I'm all for it. Um, but, you know, this, this is not, this word loved is not based on a quality of love. God loves us beyond what we can fathom. God loves us when we're not lovely. God loves us when we're not easy to love. God loves us. This is the love that God has because this word is not surface or shallow. It is a deep, deep word. And it's given to us, uh, God gives it to us, the human race, based on, uh, not based on love quality. It's not based because we, we can't love. We can't love like he loves unless he's in us to love like he loves. That makes sense? Our love, human love, is, is uh, limited most of the time. And for us, it's easy to hate more than it's easy to love. It says that, that God loved this world 
this world, you and I, not the earth, but what occupies the earth. He loves us. He loved us so much that he gave. The word gave means a necessary generosity. God saw it necessary to give us his son. You know what? I love you all, but I don't know if I'd sacrifice my son for you. And I don't know if you'd sacrifice your kid for me. But God did. God gave. I hear laughing there because there's times that I would have gave my son. <laughs> what? <laughs> I forgot you were sitting there. Huh? <laughs> God loved us so much. That, that he gave, he gave that, that necessary generosity, that whoever, it, says, it goes on and says, that whoever believes in him, the word believe right there means an unconditional trust. If we will unconditionally trust what Jesus has done in our life, that's where the transfer begins to happen of his love for us. Does that make sense? It's, it's that unnecessary trust uh, or unconditional trust that we give. In the, in the King James Version, this, the, the word there uh, is kind of an old English word, but there's some importance upon this word believe because it says in the King James, believeth, with the E-T-H on the end. In, in New Testament, um, when you read the New Testament in the King James and it has an E-T-H on the end of the word, that means it is a continuous repeated action. See, God didn't give us his son once. In the physical, it was once, 2,000 years ago. But in our salvation, when we receive Jesus, we become born again or born from above. When we become Christians, we are on a continual mission. See, some people think, well, I, you know, I raised my hand, I prayed the prayer, I went to the altar, I did all that stuff, and now I've got my fire insurance, and, and, and I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> and that's as far as they go with that. And so, the, and they say, well, I'm saved. I, I, I prayed the prayer, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. But did you know that 2,000 years ago, we were saved, Right? And now we are saved. We were saved. We are saved. But there's another piece to this that we will be saved. This is, salvation is a journey. Christianity is a journey. It's not a one-time come-to-God thing and I'm, I'm going to heaven. It is. It, it, it's still that. I mean, you, you're, I believe with all my heart that if you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you don't deny him but you accept him and receive him, that you'll go to heaven. But there are... Uh, there, there's more to it than just the one time. Because we were saved, we are saved, and we are still being saved. And so when he says that, he, that, that um, whosoever believes, he's saying believing is a continual and repeated action forever, for the rest of your days. And he says that... <clears throat> that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word perish means to be lost or to be ruined or be destroyed. 
if we believe in him, we will, we will not be lost. That's why I'm such a stickler on when somebody, uh, when a Christian dies, that I, I don't say that we lost them. Because lost comes back to be, they, they perished. They may have died in this life. Their body may have died in this life. I, I have met no one that has lived forever. You know, the statistics say that one out of every one dies. <laughs> so nobody's getting out of this thing alive. I hate to break the news to you, but nobody's getting out of this thing alive. But when a Christian goes to heaven, he's not lost. You know, when, when Brother Kenneth moved to Missouri, I knew where he was. He wasn't lost. The prodigal came home, but <laughs> but he's not, he's not lost because lost has to do with perishing. And when, when we believe Jesus, even though our bodies may die, we won't perish. Death, where is your victory? And death, where is your sting? There's, there's no death the death of the body, but your spirit lives on if you're a believer. If you're an unbeliever, your spirit lives on. You're just in a different address, man, and it's warm. <laughs> you think the summer of 22 has been hot. But John 3.16, and, and I start here with this series. I start here with John 3.16 because John 3.16 is the essence of our Christianity. It's the essence of hope. You have no hope unless you have Jesus. Jesus is the hope. And when we, when we give our lives to him, now we've stepped into the, the essence of what our Christianity is because the gravity and the mag magnitude of God's love for humanity is in that verse. It's all in that verse. And that's why it's become so popular in our day and time. That's why it's got 94 million Google searches in one night, in, a, in four hours. So this Nicodemus guy Jesus was talking to, he was telling him how to be born again, how to, be, um, to, to become a Jesus follower. <clears throat> I like what 1 John 3.16 says. So we've got John 3.16 well, what does 1 John 3.16 say? Um, from the Passion Translation, it says this. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. How pertinent is that to John 3.16? God loves us so much. God loves us so much that he hasn't given us the leeway. He hasn't given us the room. He hasn't given us the capacity <clears throat> to be able to not love one another. We have, but he hasn't. And this is how we love one another. The, the, the worst thing I see today in our day and time, through, especially since social media <clears throat> and things like that, is that... Everybody, every preacher, everyone called to ministry, everyone who communicates the gospel becomes an open target 
for other Christians to bash and beat up and cut down and, and try to take down in their lives. You know, being a pastor sometimes, it's like that far side cartoon with the two deer standing there. And one is standing there and he's got a big bullseye on his chest. He's a heck of a birthmark you got there, Hal. <clears throat> that's, that's what I feel like as a pastor because I see people, t- uh, other Christians, I heard it put this way, uh, other Christ- or Christians will cannibalize their own. You know, I don't know how many people I've heard, you know, put down Joel Osteen. Well, you know, that prosperity gospel he's preaching, he's going to go to hell over that. Dude, really? You really want to go there? My Bible says, touch not God's anointed. Well, he's not anointed. I'm sorry that you're God right now. John is saying, you know, in this, in this walk, in this journey of Christianity, John is saying here in 1 John, because God gave his great love to us, we've got to love each other. I mean, especially in the church. Man, people make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. We don't need to bash them. We don't need to cannibalize them. Amen? <clears throat> so... Looking at, at 1 John 3.16, when I, when I read that, I, was, I started thinking. You know, if, if John 3.16 is such an epic verse, and, and God had fun with Tim Tebow in that, couldn't he have fun with us in that? <clears throat> I, would, I would like to think that, that God would like to have fun with that. And, you know, um, can other, other verses that are in the 316 mode, can't they be monumental like John 316 is? I think they can. So I began to look into this. And what I found was that there are 23 in, in the Bible. The Bible's made up of 66 books in the Bible, 66 stories, letters, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> 66 books. 23 have a third chapter and a 16th verse. 11 in the Old Testament, which those 11 in the Old Testament <clears throat> basically are just pieces of narrative to historical stories. So it really didn't supply me with anything to, to teach on. But in the New Testament, there are 12 verses with 316 in them, and they're all about Christian conduct, position, and foundational elements of this essence called Christianity. Amen? So we're going to look at some of those over this time that we're doing this series, the next couple of weeks. So um, John 3.16 talks about being born again, how we're saved. It's that spiritual, deep within us change when we give our life to Jesus. You know, I heard it put this way, that every one of us are born with a God hole on the inside of us. And you can't fill it with anything but God. We try to fill it with pornography. We try to fill it with addiction. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to fill it with alcohol. We try to fill it with money. But it can only be filled by the Spirit of God. And so that's why it's important to know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So when we do that, it begins to change things on the inside of us. So... Our next step, besides asking Jesus to come and 
live on the inside of us. Our next step, I call an outward expression of our inward change. We begin to do something outward because we've been changed inwardly. And so, if you would, look over at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Now, I want to read this to you. But here in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist has been preaching about the Savior and the Messiah that is coming soon. And and so as he's doing that, um, those that believed um, what John was preaching, what John the Baptist was preaching, those that believed that would show up to John and he would take them out into the Jordan River and he would outwardly take them underwater and bring them back up. That's why he's called the Baptist, not because he belonged to the denomination. But he he preached this, and people prepared by repenting and being, and then they would go be baptized. So here in Matthew chapter three, it says this. Let's go to um, to verse thirteen first. Uh, It says, "Then Jesus left Galilee." to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, John was Jesus' cousin. They were, they were cousins, but they weren't real close because, because John was weird, and, and the family didn't hang out with weird John very much, you know. <clears throat> but he went to, to be baptized by John. But when he waded into the water, John resisted him, saying, Why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me to be baptized. Jesus replied, it's only right to do all that God requires. Then John baptized Jesus. Verse 16 says this. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of heaven, out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. Then suddenly, verse 17, then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky saying, this is the Son I love and my greatest delight is in him. Jesus did not need to be baptized. It was just exactly what John said. He didn't need to be baptized because he was perfect. He was right with God. He was 30 years old. And, and the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that he knew, Jesus knew no sin. 30 years on this planet and he never sinned. Here I am, 53, and I can't hardly make it 24 hours. Oh, I'm a lot older and wiser. I, that just means I'm dumber <clears throat> because it is, it is hard to make it 24 hours. And, and I've, been a, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I'm still struggling because it's a journey. It's a journey. Thank God he don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I mean, thank God that, that, you know, I got Jesus and he didn't say it's a one-time deal, dude. No, it's a consistent journey, journey all the time. So the the emphasis that I want to put on this is in verse 16 is that Jesus went and was baptized and when he come out of the water, the heavens opened up. I want to sit 
or stand or walk or run in the open heaven of God. I would love to do that 24-7. I'd love to do that. Some people say, why don't you do it? Because I'm human. And that's not an excuse. It's the greatest excuse, but it shouldn't be an excuse. But, uh, you know, I'm human just like anybody else is. You know, I thought of something the other day, and I think I'm going to preach on it one of these days, but I'm going to throw it out there to you. I thought of something the other day. I'm a pastor. I stand up here quite a bit and talk. And, And I am chasing the holiness of God just like you are. And I'm, you know, God called me to preach, so I get up here and preach. And, and over the years, we've had people leave the church. They've got, they got mad at me, or they heard me say something, or they saw me do something that they didn't agree with. Their holiness was in a different spot than mine. But what I find is that people sometimes get all upset and leave when their holiness crosses paths with my humanity. You know, people think I should be perfect. Oh, dear God. The, the, the tension happens between us is when your holiness intersects my humanity. And when that happens, you have the right to leave. But when my holiness intersects your humanity because I'm called pastor, I have to stay and walk this journey out with you. So would you give me some leeway? I I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to be offensive or anything, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus knew no sin. Yet he goes to be baptized. He didn't need to be, but he said what he was doing, doing that, was to affirm God's standard for you and me in our lives. Even though he didn't do it, he, he, he didn't have to do it. He did it in order to say to us, this is God's standard. This is God's standard. And it's God's standard because of man's condition. It's because we are pursuing holiness, but we haven't all arrived there yet. Um, We arrived there in different stages. Baptism became an outward expression to match the inward change in all of us. And Jesus was releasing the standard of baptism to become the next step of our salvation. It's the next step in in, in our essence of Christianity. Amen? So we're talking, we, we get born again. We ask Jesus to come into our life, but the next step for us should be we need to get baptized. And so that's what I'm talking about today is we need to be baptized. And in Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 1, you say, well, this ain't 316. I know. Stay with me. You'll get it. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 from the message translation says this. So what do we do? The Apostle Paul's writing here. He says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house that is there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? 
That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. A new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into light fill into a light-filled world by the Father so that we can see there were, uh, we, where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Did you all get that? That's what baptism is all about. It's not about getting wet. It's, it's about being immersed into Jesus. It's an outward expression of an inward change. And if you've never been baptized, I, I just want to say you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized because it changes you. It marks you. It, it puts, a, a, it puts a, an essence on your Christianity. Some churches or some denominations or some religions teach that it is baptism that saves you. That really, you know, it's not until you get baptized that you get saved. That's not true. Because uh, Romans says, with the, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made toward salvation. That's what saves you. Believing in your heart. Just like John 3.16, believing in your heart. It's not baptism that saves you, but it's a part of the salvation that you're, that you're walking with. It is the outward of what the inward has been completed. Amen. 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 See, baptism was Jesus' response. Baptism is our response. So what I want to do in in the last couple of minutes here that we have is I want to give you three components of baptism that releases us into the fullness of our salvation. Three components that release us in that. Um, The first one is this. Baptism releases our true identity as sons of God. See, when Jesus went down under the water and he came up, Verse 17 of John, uh, or of uh, Matthew 3 says that God spoke from heavens. Heaven opened up and God spoke. He didn't need a Bose sound system to speak from there. He, God, is the, is, is the fullness of this world that we live in. Amen? And he just spoke. When the heavens opened, he says, this is my son. This is my son in who I am well pleased. I, this is my boy. I mean, the proud daddy. Yes. Proud. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my son. I love it. He, he brings us all in. Before church starts, he brings us all in and, and does a rundown of what, the way the service is going to go and all that kind of stuff. And then he prays. I love to hear you pray, man. I love it. I mean, Johnny mentioned it last week. We love to hear you pray, so keep praying. Um, 
But I love it. You know, when he prays, I'm like all puffed up like a bandy rooster. <laughs> that's my boy. That's my boy. And that's what God said. He identified Jesus, not just Mary and Joseph's son. He said, this is my son. This is my son. In Matthew 3.17, like we said, it said, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27 says this, for all are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You, when you're baptized and you come out of that water, it's not just wet that you feel. All of a sudden, you step into a place where you become sons of God. Now, some of you ladies are sitting there going, I'm a son of God. Well, let me tell you something. If I've got to be the bride of Christ later on, you get to be a son now. It has, I mean, I'm not getting into this whole gender thing, but the thing about it is, is the word says that there is, God don't see gender. That's what it says in Hebrews. God don't see all that stuff. But he did recognize this is my son. This is my son. And when we follow Jesus in that baptism, it releases us into our identity. So many times Christians are still struggling with humanity because they have not recognized and, and stepped in and declared that they are sons, that you are sons. I am, I'm a son. You're a son. And God says, this is my son, not only to Jesus, but now when we follow in his footsteps, the identity, he releases our identity of who he sees. Amen? Amen. I think that if Adam really would have, uh, if Adam really would have identified um, with God that he was a son of God, that he would never have screwed up. So, I ain't going down that path right now. <laughs> the second thing that gets released in baptism, it releases the message of the gospel to be lived and told through us. I, I, I've heard people say, well, I don't, I don't really, you know, go on the streets and witness or I don't witness to anybody because, you know, I'm just not comfortable with that. It's, you know, I don't want to be turned down or anything. I don't know that if somebody, if I talk to them about Jesus, somebody asks me a question that I can't answer. You cannot wait until you can answer everybody's, everybody's question in order to tell what the gospel has done in your life. It's your story. And God made sure of that. And he releases that. I mean, we all hear the gospel in order to become Christians. We hear the gospel, receive the gospel, receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior from someone that had the guts to tell. So now we got to have the guts to tell. And God releases that ability, that capacity on the inside of you when you get baptized. Jesus' baptism was not about repenting, not himself repenting of sin, but uh, dedicating himself as the temple that we would become. He was cleansing the temple. His deal was he was cleansing the temple 
that we would become. How many of you know in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? When you come out of that water, your temple, the temple of God that you are, is being cleansed and dedicated in that moment. He's releasing the kingdom. He's releasing the gospel. Now you have been empowered to speak John 3.16. Every one of you, every one of you have it that's been saved and baptized. I'll even go so far as to say if you've just been saved, you've got it there. But if you really want to release that, get baptized. All of a sudden, they'll just clean all the poop out of the way. You know, everything, everything that's been that, you, you won't poop in the water, uh, okay? Uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. All the, all the spiritual poo, go, okay, I'm going to go on. I'm, it's not cool to, for me to think. I, I, just, I shouldn't think sometimes. <clears throat> but Bible scholars proclaim that Jesus was empowered to carry out the rites of a priest during this time. When Jesus was baptized, he had the rights of a priest. As a matter of fact, when a, when a priest in the, in the Jewish uh, religion, when a priest would be released into his priestly ministry, it was when he was 30 years old. So Jesus was being released into his priestly ministry during that time that steps into a place where miracles... You don't see miracles happening until Jesus was baptized. You don't see the power of God working through him until he was baptized. And likewise, we need to get baptized in order to release those things into this earth. Number three, baptism releases our past and future. It releases our past and future. What do I mean by that? We all have a past that we regret. I mean, isn't there anything, do you all know what I'm talking about? I mean, there are things that we did in our past before we came to Christ that we regret. There's things that we don't want to recall. There's guilt that we carry a lot of times. Amen? As a human being, we have those things. But John the Baptist said, we needed to repent. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said his message was repent. That means to come to God and leave your regretful past and sins behind. That's much easier to do when we've been baptized. We wash away the past. Now, that doesn't mean that the... um, I can't think of the word. That doesn't mean that the consequences of your past are gone. But the regret and the guilt that we feel of our past gets washed away in baptism. If we will appropriate it, you've got to appropriate. Just like you've got to appropriate sonship, you've got to appropriate getting rid of the guilt when we go into baptism. Otherwise, you're just getting wet because we're being laid down in the grave and leaving those things behind and coming up in the resurrection. 
the resurrection was the release of all the guilt and all the shame and all that stuff in the past. In, in Luke chapter 9, um, verse 62, it says, But Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So as you go get baptized and you're washing all that stuff, if we continue to have our hands on the plow pushing this way, but we're looking this way, the rows ain't going to be straight. Because he releases our past, so don't look back, but he releases our future, stay forward. Because our future's out there. We got to keep walking toward that, not looking back. We can't see our future if we're looking behind all the time. Well, pastor, you don't know, I really screwed up. Join the circus. I mean, we're all in that boat. We're all clowns. But it just comes as if, if, if we will appropriate what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Uh, Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 62 from the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It's cool. Jesus responded, Why do you keep looking backward to your past and having second thoughts about following me? When you turn back, you are useless to God's kingdom realm. I don't want to be useless. I want to be used. I want to be fit for the kingdom. I want to be fit for Jesus. It only comes when we will release the future in front of us and start chasing the future that's in us. Amen? So for us to release from our past is to release to our future. I'm going to close with this. Baptism is the start of who we really are. Like salvation or or like um, the journey of Christianity, baptism is not a one and done deal. The, the, The Hebrew people, the Jewish people, get baptized many times, usually at least once a year in order to take the sins and everything that was put, that they they committed, all the guilt and shame, they put it away so that they can be released into what God has called them to do. It's not wrong. Some some churches will tell you, well, you don't need to be baptized once and you can't be baptized again. I don't follow that doctrine. The doctrine that I follow is you need to do it as much as you do. I, I take a shower every day to wash away the sweat and the dirt and the junk that sticks to us. Why don't we, why don't we baptize, get baptized more than once? Every time we get to a new place in our life, we need, to be, we need to release the past that brought us to that point and release the future so that we can be better. Be holy. Amen? Amen. Baptism is, is the start of who we really are and the journey of becoming who God designed us to be. Do you want to be all that God has called you to be? My wife told me the other day, the last time, I think the last time that I preached, she said, I want you, because I was struggling, she says, I want you, when she gets that finger out there, you better do what she says. She says, I want you to go into the other room. This is on a Sunday morning. Go into the other room. And says, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say this over yourself. 
I am called, I am anointed, I am chosen, and I am bold. I, and I did. And I go back to it continually. Because God is calling each and every one of us to that place as a Christian. Not just to show up at church, but to show up in life. And being baptized will release the ease of more of God into this life. When you come up out of that water, I believe God is looking down and saying, This is my son. They are called, they are anointed, they are chosen, they are bold by the creator of the universe. God loves you so much. I want to tell you something. If we could get just a sliver of what God's love is, we will change this earth. Just a sliver of his love for us. Because we are called, we are anointed, we are chosen, and we are bold. say, well, pastor, when can I get baptized? You, you are, you are in a place where you can be baptized anytime, whether it's, whether you've been baptized before or not. Next Sunday after church at the park in Eaton at our picnic, we're going to have a pool set up and I'm going to do baptisms because I know that when slip and slide kickball comes in to play after that, that there'll be more that need to be baptized after (laughs) because the trash talk between these two, between Rhett and, and Josh has been epic up until now. So anyways, it would, all kidding aside, we're going to have a pool set up and we're going to do baptisms in the park. And any one of us pastoral staff or any anyone, anyone can, if you're a Christian, you can baptize somebody. You don't have to have an ordination behind you. But the fact of the matter is, is we're going to be doing baptisms in the park. If you want to, if you want to do that, is there going to be sign-ups? Do you know? It's just come as you are. And here's what I'm going to say. Wear a dark t-shirt. We'll have a t-shirt for you if you want to, because we're not giving prizes for wet t-shirt contests, okay? We're not doing that. This this is a church, okay? I said it. I'm sorry. I am sorry. See, See what I'm talking about by your holiness intersecting my humanity? I do stuff like that. Anyways... The, the, the fact of the matter is we'll, we'll give you we got t-shirts that we'll give you and stuff like that but um, but if you want to be baptized it would be an honor to get to baptize any one of you if you know somebody needs to get baptized bring them come to the picnic and we'll baptize you today we're having a baptism out on the back porch a young lady is going to get baptized She's, it's going to be cool to watch what God does with her so we're going to do a baptism out there. If you want to come and see how we do things, you can step out there after service. 
anyways, with that, baptisms next weekend at the church picnic, and um, we're, we're going to do that. So if you've, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, here's what I want to say. Um, we, a lot of times in the church, emphasize uh, this time at this time that we would raise a hand, pray a prayer, walk an aisle, do those kinds of things. And that's cool. But the way I see coming into following Jesus is to know that Jesus never asked his disciples to walk an aisle, to raise a hand, or to pray a prayer. He just simply said, would you come and follow me? And when they gave, when they dedicated themselves to following him, that's where their heart changed. Because not anyone of their own power can follow Jesus. It takes Jesus inviting us into that. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So if you would say say yes to Jesus today, he's asking, would you come in to the family? So with every head up and every eye open and everyone looking around, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you would like to say yes to him today, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody like that? Maybe you're in here today and you go, well, I haven't been following the way that I should be following. And today I want to rededicate my life. Is there anybody like that? Anybody? Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Heavenly Father, those who have raised their hands this morning, I thank you for that inward change. And Father, I pray that this morning as they journey out of this church, that God, that they are, that they are called, that they are anointed, that they are chosen, and they are bold because of what your gospel has done for us. God, I thank you for loving us so much to give us your only son. And I thank you that today we are right with you again. In Jesus' name, amen.